my most exciting swimming moment was having the opportunity after the 1976 Olympic Games to um, be the assistant coach to a girl by the name of Nancy Garapik who had two world records in backstroke, 100, 200 backstroke at the time and won two bronze medals at the 1976 Olympic Games. Welcome to Swim.Rocks, the show that shares information, ideas and inspiration between swimming people who stay dry. I'm your host, Ben Ramsden, and today we're talking with Chris Curran about how to choose a coach for your swimmer. Now, I spoke to Chris on a pavement cafe, which was not exactly a quiet environment, but I'm sure that it helped him to relax to having a microphone stuck up his nose, and he shared some fantastic insights. So I wanted to welcome you, Chris, to uh, the Swim.Rocks podcast, <laughs> and for the benefit of our listener, yeah. um, I'm going to make a mess off of this, I'm sure, in terms of introducing you, so okay. I'll introduce you, and then you can tell me where, where I went wrong. Oh, go for it. Um, I think you started... Um, you started your career in teaching. You were a yeah. classroom teacher for, for a while, and mm-hmm. uh, you've been headmaster of, of many schools yeah. uh, in the area, particularly in the Catholic system. Yes. Um, and on top of that, you've got a master's in sports science, yes. and you're married to a wonderful physiotherapist, <laughs> so you really understand uh, the sort of muscles and skeletal yeah. side of, um, of sport and things like that. Uh, as well as the educational side, yeah. and you're a silver licensed swimming coach, I am, yes. uh, who's coached both here in Australia and in Canada, and right. possibly other other places in between. And you're just probably the most passionate person I know about <laughs> swimming. You do uh, in the in the summer, you do ocean swims, um, and you just do everything in a really enthusiastic way around around swimming. So. Um, what have I missed in that introduction? Has I been fair to you? Oh, I think you've been very fair. The um, the one word which uh, has followed me all my life is enthusiasm. <laughs> Whenever I've had any sort of performance reviews, one of the key things to go down is this guy is enthusiastic. Yeah, so it's nice. That's a nice way. I feel good about that. <laughs> I've heard of it. Have been called enthusiastic rather than uh, you know somebody's really lethargic. <laughs> So I've tempted yeah. you onto the pavement outside a rather nice cafe uh, on our, in our Sydney uh, Sydney damp Friday afternoon. So there'll be a few noises off, but that's all fine and, that, and that's good. And the dog that was sniffing around our feet a few minutes ago has just uh, has just gone away. He's so gone. Hopefully there won't be too many barks. But um, I want to talk to you about um, choosing a swimming coach. But oh, before okay, we yes. do, yes. can you, looking back across your career, can you identify the moment when you? decided to commit yourself to swimming oh <clears throat> I think the moment actually goes back to when I was at, um, at school and in my last uh, last year and trying to um, work out a, um, a career path and uh, study path and um, I saw I saw swimming as um, getting into swimming coaching as being a bit of an adjunct to um, my other passion which is education and um, when I saw what the coach, the coach that I had was doing, he had a day job. And after his day job was finished, he'd go to the pool and in the morning turn up. So he was doing two things at the one time. I thought to myself, well, I can do two things at the one time too. And one way to do that is to train to become a teacher <coughs> and then um, and uh, work out ways of, um, that I can actually get myself involved as a, uh, as a coach or, and or you know, as well as a you know, swimming teacher. 
And but I think the, the the standout experience that I had in regard to answering your question comes from when I was working as a teacher in the 70s at Linfield uh, Public School, which is now sorry at that time it was called Linfield Demonstration School because it was a school attached to. Um, the University of Technology and their education department and we were involved in the um, helping them train their teachers as role models for them. And the first year I went to Linfield um, uh, Dem School, the, um, there was al- already a, a pool in the school but it was uh, old, it was dilapidated and it was hardly, hardly used and the parents put the money together to um, build a new outdoor 25 metre pool. The parents? Yes, the parents did. Yeah, fully funded by the parents. And they did a magnificent job with it. And at <clears throat> any rate, it just uh, so happens that the, the winter before the swimming, uh, their first uh, summer swimming season uh, was to, after the pool was built, I used to coach their, uh, their kids rugby. And I used to do it after school and go down to the local oval and do uh, a couple of sessions a week. And a lot of the parents said to me that... Um, from all the time their kids had been at that, that particular school, which is a, was a wonderful school and still is a wonderful school, for a whole variety of reasons, that um, no teacher had taken the time to coach their kids anything after school. I was the first. That, that was from the That doesn't mean the whole history of the school. And to me, that was just a normal thing to do. I loved the kids, I loved the parents, I loved the place. And I thought, oh, I was passionate about football. And I said, well, no, I played, played a lot of football as a kid. So well, why not coach the kids? And that gave me an opportunity actually to take the to take the uh, school rugby team to um, you know the level of you know, PWSA championships. So I thought, oh, I can do this. Bit, you know, I didn't know a lot about uh, rugby union at the time. So now, so the parents saw the, the skills that I had, and they, um, they were aware of um, you know how how much the kids enjoyed being in the classroom with me. And they just asked me because they had been become aware of the fact I wasn't a swimming a competitive swimmer. <clears throat> they just asked me would I like to be their foundation swimming coach, and I said oh, I'd love to do it. So my life for about the next five years consisted. It was only a summer program, so I wasn't. I was only exhausted for about four or five months of the year, not the whole year. And so the fact that when I was there, I remember the kids at the PWSA championships. I think there are about eight relays that they have or six relays, I can't quite remember, whatever it was, anyway, we won either uh, five of the six relays or we won seven of the eight relays. So I was able to get these kids up to a very high level of competitive swimming, as well as having a total swimming program and learn to swim all the way through, um, you know, very, very quickly. And um, so the fact that I got so much pleasure uh, out of uh, coaching the kids and seeing the kids' success, and also the joy that the parents got from seeing their children being successful in a particular sport and how that in turn flowed over to um, the way they felt about themselves, their whole self-esteem and self-image and uh, the improvement that took place and they're just basically reading skills, writing skills. Um, oh, I see, so the, the, the swimming work actually had a oh, knock-on effect in other areas. Without any doubt, without a doubt at all. And was that just something you saw at the time or have you seen it throughout your, your swimming career <coughs> since? I've seen it throughout my career. Uh, what, what, sorry, sorry to digress, no, but I'm fascinated. Yeah. What, what is the connection? What <laughs> sounds, well, sounds a bit mysterious to me how yeah. that happens. Well, I think the connection is that um, one of the things about about being involved in a sport, and we're talking swimming, so we'll stick with that, is that um, the you know when you dive into a swimming pool and you go from one end of the pool to the other, 
you know whether you can swim that in 60 seconds, 50 seconds, 40 seconds, 30 seconds, 22 seconds, and and I think the world record is 20 seconds. So it's objective feedback. Like in other words, you. There's no doubting the fact that the you clock can, doesn't lie. The clock, the clock is not lying. So you see yourself being able to do uh, perform in uh, a sporting activity at a certain level, and and you may not have been able to, to sort of see yourself doing that well in a sport or in in, uh, in schoolwork. And so I think it's just simply the the fact that you it's that um, self esteem feeling good about yourself as a person, believing in yourself and saying, well, if I can do it here, I can do it in other, other areas. And it just seems to have that flow-on flow on effect. But there's also the thing about swimming, and um, is that when a, when a kid gets in the pool to train, whether it's for half an hour or an hour or two hours or whatever it is, that during that time they have to be very focused and um, able to concentrate and um, remain engaged in a particular activity. And so if they're getting that training out of school, that then in turn take goes into the classroom, where to be a successful student, you, know, you, you, need, you do need you know, self-discipline. You do need um, to remain engaged with the task for either short-term, short periods of time, or long periods of time, depending on what the task is. And I think that there is definitely that, that flow over. There's actually a lot, there is a whole body of research out there which now has substantiated that. And I think that research came out of uh, Queensland University about four or five years ago. So it's uh, pretty easy to access that information to sort of say that um, what I'm saying now that I observed as a young swimming coach and also as a young school teacher but now it's, uh, it is research-based in regard to actually supporting and substantiating what I've just said. Okay. Fascinating. It is fascinating. Look, I could ask you so much about that, but yeah. I won't. No, no, let's um, move on. We're talking about coaching, mm-hmm. delivering these benefits, <coughs> or the kids, are, the kids are achieving this through coaching. Yeah. Uh, without overcomplicating it, to a layman, what do mm. swimming coaches do? <laughs> I, I was very surprised at literally it was a couple of months ago when somebody said to me why do you need a swim coach surely if somebody can just swim fast they can swim fast why yes. do they need a coach <laughs> for yeah. those who don't really understand mm. coaching can you just mm. just make it really simple yeah well I can make it really simple is the fact that um, the <clears throat> uh, <laughs> I'm actually trying to make it to find a way to make it simple um at the end of the day, I think that um, the uh, it's it's the fine tuning, it's the fine tuning of the stroke, which is uh, where the specialist coach comes in. The fact that they uh, they know what to look for, and they also have a have a language that they use, uh, a swimming language, uh, swimming teaching language, and swimming coaching language that they have have developed over the years to get the message through to the swimmers um, in an understandable way, so the kids can actually improve their technique. Yeah. Oh, I see. So yeah. there's a sort of level of rapport established, mm. so they can see things, mm. which they can then yeah. inform the swimmer about what to do differently in order to yeah. do better. Yeah, it, and also the coaches. You don't need a wealth of experience to be a successful swimming coach, but you need you do need to bring some experience to the uh, you know to the pool because you know um, you, you have an understanding of where a swimmer can go. You, know, you have an understanding of uh, what's achievable uh, in the pool. 
and um, so the, co- the coach has that really important role of, um, of having that uh, vision of where you can actually take a, take a, a swimmer. Um, but the, the coach has got to have the knowledge and the wherewithal, as I've already said, in regard to uh, being able to analyse a stroke and, um, and to be able to explain it to the, uh, to the swimmer mm. and be able to, uh, to improve their technique and, be, and to become a more successful swimmer. So you must have coached hundreds, if not thousands, of, yeah. of kids over, yep. over your swimming career have, so yeah. far. Yep. Um, That's a fair statement. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking... I remember a lot of the names. You, I, just a little relevant yeah. side story. Yeah. We've just been sat here having lunch, and um, yeah. there's at least one person gone, gone past and stopped for a chat, because yeah. you know them. So yeah. it's just, just the nature <laughs> of being a headmaster in the local yeah. community. <laughs> and, having lived here for 40 years, 40 years. Yeah. But it, you know, if we look at, say, a, a typical 10, 11-year-old kid mm. who's enthusiastic yeah. about swimming yeah. um, and, and wants to progress, yes. what, 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 what needs do they have or what opportunities do they have to progress? You know, what, why, would, why would getting professional coaching actually mm. give them an opportunity to progress? What's, mm. you know, what's the scenario there that you typically see? Mm. Um, the scenario I typically see is... Um, the the parents becoming um, more enthusiastic and more involved with their children's swimming, certainly from a competitive spec- perspective. If the children, if the, the young kids are successful in the pool, you know, they um, so if they they go on a school carnival and the kids win or they place get a place and they go, have the opportunity to go off and represent the school, that's a that's a real turning point for the parents because the parents then sort of say, well, my child's they are swimming at a, an area carnival or a zone carnival at PWSA or at Igster and whatever and therefore I will go to the pool and watch my kids swim and, so the uh, parents are living the dream the par- <laughs> um, I don't know necessarily, I hear that a lot about parents living, living, living the dream through their, through their kids and I'm, not, not too, I'm not convinced that it actually holds, holds okay. a lot of substance um, but I think it's just parents that, you know, just being proud of the fact that their kids are uh, interested in uh, interested in swimming, and and they want to encourage that interest. And one way to encourage the interest is be uh, by going and watch your kids train and watch your kids compete. Um, and then uh, and I think there's a bit of a turning point with parents in regard to um, uh, helping their children remain in the sport. And we're talking swimming. Um, and I think one way of doing it is to, if the parents can actually get a social network around around the pool, turning up at the pool in the morning and uh, seeing like types there, the kids are like types and the parents are like types, you find there's, you've got something in common, you start chatting and so forth, and then, then friendships start developing and that type of thing. So I think that's the whole social aspect of the sport. Um, that, that, that really helps you know, because you see a lot of each other if your kids are you know, particularly more serious they, they get with their, with their swimming um, and then the, there are opportunities parents then start looking for other opportunities rather than just simply you know, the social side of it or the fact that my kids are successful swimmer and whatever they start looking for something else and that's something else that they can, they can, get, they can do <coughs> is to become involved in the sport and, one, and, and there are so many different opportunities to become involved in the sport you know, even if it's just simply organising uh, a fundraiser. Say, for example, at the beginning of this swimming season, I was down at the West Swim's Pimble Shops, walked in, and then there were about three or four uh, people my age, 
Um, <laughs> little 21. Bit 21, yeah. <clears throat> who were there doing a fundraiser for the West, West Pimble Swimming Club. And, uh, and they were handing out brochures and so forth about... Uh, Kringai. Uh, the Kringai Club, yeah. yeah. So it was just great to sort of see that happening. Mm. And they were having a great time. The little kids were out there helping at the store as well. So it's had a whole family involvement and also the broader you know, social network. So you can, in other words, you can get involved in fundraising, um, and then, then there's also you know, people who like to do timekeeping and people who like to just sort of help organise kids and they can become marshals. So there's all these different sorts of opportunities for you to become even more constructively involved. But if, there, if, if there's one little bit of advice I give parents who may be listening to this is let the coach do his job, let the coach do her job, let him get on with it and uh, don't become the uh, professional swimming coach uh, who, uh, you know, overnight. Okay, so we'll let them do their job. <laughs> I feel like we've got a bit of a talking to there. <laughs> so talking talking about the coaches, I mean, I like you spent a lot of time on pool deck pool decks, seeing what goes on. And to me, there's there's different coaching philosophies. There's uh-huh. there's the coach that's really good at yeah. I won't say whipping because it's not that, but they really building up the stamina in the in the kids ears yeah. great on doing long distance and sprint sets and what have you and the, you know the kids come out looking exhausted but they're yeah. physically much stronger after yes. uh, after a few sessions like yeah. this and then there's others I think you were alluding to that earlier who are much more focused on the ref- refinement of strokes yes. and we've talked yes. about what is it intercycle velocity no, fluctuations ben, let's get this right the term is intracycle velocity fluctuation curves okay and what that means is it's looking at the swimmers going faster and slowing down within each each stroke that they do in other words what is it they are doing at that micro moment to go faster what is it they what's causing them to slow down within each stroke okay that's what it is okay so it's a very sort of scientific <laughs> analytical approach to understanding what's what's how the swimmer is propelling themselves through the water Precisely. and opportunities there are to go faster <coughs> yep yeah couldn't argue about that at okay. all you've got it you've nailed it i've seen others mm. other coaches that are almost focused on the psychology of swimming <laughs> you know it's almost like a yeah. uh, almost like a buddhist type zen <laughs> moment <laughs> when you enter the water and yes. you are at one with water mm-hmm obviously different different styles suit different mm-hmm. kids but yeah. I mean what what are the common philosophies out there in terms mm. of coaching or is, is there no common philosophy yeah. uh, I think there are schools of thought yeah. <clears throat> and um, to get a common philosophy and get all coaches on the same page is an impossible dream which is basically the same in most organisations and that's what we're like as human beings that we're not uh, we don't all have the same uh, uh, fingerprints we're all unique in our own, own way, so therefore we're going to take a lot of different experiences and expectations and so forth to a swimming swimming pool and a swimming program to get the best out of our kids. But um, but I, there aren't a lot of coaches that are, from what I've seen who are what I call laid back coaches. Um, I do I see, but also I don't believe that there are a lot of coaches out there who run their run their programs you know, like they've got a whip in their hand. And uh, I think the ones who have the whip in their hands they don't last long. Parents turn, tend to turn their backs on them. Parents tend to turn their backs on them. They, they may get the results in the short term, but they don't get the results in the long term. And I think it's the long term results is what you're looking for. <clears throat> so we can be a bit blinded to say, oh, wow, this guy's a great coach, or this lady or man is a great coach. And what are they doing? Well, they're just driving the kids into the ground and so forth. As I say, if you've you had that approach, 
I think the, the coaches can have short-term success and I think the swimmers will have short-term success and in turn the parents, the family involvement in the sport is going to be short-term too. They'll just simply admit at the end of the day. And some people out there, they, they, they chase ridiculous dreams and I think one of the uh, traps which is involved in swimming is to sort of say, wow, this coach is really delivering the Olympic champions and whatever. I think they have to really dig deeper to find out what it is that the coach is really doing to get those sorts of results. And as I say, and I still stick by it, if they're, if they're draconian in their approach to it, they'll have short-term success. You know, they'll be just a one-day wonder. It's like somebody puts out a pop song, you know, one-day, one-hit one, one wonder. And the coach tends to be that way too. So then you start looking at it and say, who are the coaches who have been in the sport for a long time? Who are the ones that are really dedicated? And what is it that they're actually doing? Now, <clears throat> when it comes to having a uh, common philosophy, I think the important thing is that the, the coach actually has a philosophy and they can articulate that and they're clear about that in their own mind and they can, uh, and they can get that message across to, you know, to their broader community. And their broader community is one, the swimmer themselves in the pool. Two, it's the parents. Three, it's the extended family. <clears throat> then it's the, the broader, broader public out there. So, um, oh, I see. But, so it's less about what the philosophy is, and it's more about being conscious about it and oh, uh, being yeah. able to uh, That's right. yeah, being, be, be able to utilise it, being as clear as you possibly can about what it is that you believe in, yeah, and uh, and then in turn be able to sort of um, translate that into what's actually happening in the pool and the way you communicate your your special message about about swimming as a, as a sport. Yeah. Well, Chris, um, I could probably talk about this all afternoon. Yeah, as I'm so sure you, you could. I'm, con- I'm conscious. <laughs> no problem for talking about it. I'm conscious we've been going about it. 20 minutes, so I'd like to move close off with my quick fire round of questions. Mm-hmm. Now, quick fire means I ask the question quite quickly, and you have short, sharp answers. Okay, I'll do my best to. <laughs> so, it's fingers on the buzzers. So, five, okay. five questions. Okay, here we go. The first one is: What's the most useful? item of equipment, thing, or advice that you've received during your swimming career to Don't date. use any equipment. Don't use any equipment. Don't use, use any your, equipment. Use your body and your mind in the water. Great. Mm-hmm. The lucky door prize, if you're officiating at a state championship, <laughs> is a bottle of wine or a box of chocolates. Are you wine or chocolates? <laughs> I'm actually both, but <laughs> I've got so much wine at home, I'll go for the chocolates. <laughs> You're the most greedy person I've had oh, so far. That's okay. <laughs> At least I'm honest. <laughs> if you had your time again in swimming, what, yeah. if anything, would you do differently? If I had it in my power to do it, I'd bring the Canadian system into Australia. And that is that um, from where I stand, I had a career uh, of being a, um, a sports science professor as well as the university swimming coach. And I coached in Canada for three years. I just found that it was just too cold and uh, to have that. But in Australia, that career path and opportunity really doesn't, there's hardly any opportunities like that that exist in Australia. I can only think of one coach who's doing it in Australia. Yeah, so that's what I do. I know it's, a, it's not quite the answer you're most probably looking for, but that's the one thing that I would do, yeah. Anyway. I'm not looking for any particular answers. I'm just fascinated by what people say. <laughs> yeah. Question four. What's your 50 metres freestyle personal best time? Uh, 27.8. 27.8? Yes, I made a mistake this morning telling you something in the pool. It was sub-27, but it wasn't. It was 27.8. It was a one-lap wonder because I was a breaststroker. I wasn't a freestyler. So I pulled this off at a swim meet out in the bush many, many years ago as a kid. Yeah. 
I never saw him. And again, I was never seen as a, as a freestyler by my coach. I never saw myself as a freestyler. I saw myself as a breaststroker. And later in my career, as a, a flyer and an eye in the swimming. And final question, what's been your most exciting swimming moment? My most exciting swimming moment was having the opportunity after the 1976 Olympic Games to um, be the assistant coach to a girl by the name of Nancy Garapik who had two world records in backstroke, 100, 200 backstroke at the time and won two bronze medals at the 1976 Olympic Games. And her coach at the time said he had taught her to swim, developed her as a swimmer and then a guy comes to uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia with a, an Australian accent and he said she needs something different so the Aussie accent will do. So she was mine for about, about nine or ten months. Yeah. Mm. Chris Curran, thank you very much indeed. Thank you for your time. Pleasure, Ben Ramson. We should do this again. (laughs) Well, thank you again, Chris, for sharing some wonderful insights there. Now, I hope that you're enjoying these podcasts. If you are, then please do spread the word because uh, the more people that listen in, uh, the larger our audience And I hope that will turn into more people helping to run swimming. And the more people help running means uh, the better it is for our kids and the easier it becomes to everybody involved to to get things done. Well, that's it for this week. Uh, Do check in next time when we're talking to Mark Heathcote, who's the CEO of Swimming New South Wales. And we'll be trying trying to understand more about what they do for people like us. So until next time, please do stay dry.